Hello and welcome to Slogging It. Now, uh, Eugene and I have spent an awful amount of time together this week. Oh, no, not an awful amount of t- No, an awful lot of time. Sorry. Bozzy thinks his mind's not working. Mine's obviously having a couple of minutes off and all. Um, but that may be because having to spend Tuesday night in the company of Jeff from Hedson, um, that, that I wanted one glass of wine. Well, that didn't end up um, remaining true. Uh, that ended up into another messy night. But we wanted to get an absolute legendary guest back on from a few weeks ago to record that second episode that we promised you. So Bozzy's back with us. Um, we're going to talk about the fact that what dreadful news for any Englishman that the Ashes has been cancelled. Um, so that's something that we'll talk about in a minute with, uh, with Eugene, if you have anything to say. Um, we'll do a bit of a recap of Bozzy's first episode. Eugene's got some questions. Uh, we're going to talk then about since playing careers finished, um, what's Bozzy doing now? Uh, who's he helping? How's he helping them? What he's taken from his playing days into his coaching career? Uh, and then what he holds for the future? And then I can go to bed, not worry about any cricket because I don't think there's any England matches on until we go to the West Indies in January. Um, <laughs> and then, I, then I'll have my third Lord's Taverners event uh, of the week tomorrow. So I'll end up at home in trouble with the wife and the dog when I get back pissed tomorrow night. So, uh, <laughs> welcome, chaps. Welcome back, Bozzy. How are you, mate? Yeah, really good. A little bit pleasantly weary, if I'm honest. If I'm really <laughs> honest, I've got one day left of term, and uh, I am looking forward to uh, a break from kids. <laughs> Not your own kids, though. Uh, uh, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Eugene, we've spent a, a, a lot of time together this week. This you? one's for Merv. That was the longest introduction, and Jono has not stopped talking. Um, he is still going, Merv. I know that you're listening avidly. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great intro, Jono. And um, yeah, happy to be on an, on a proper po- on a proper podcast this time. Not the not the one that we did last uh, the last time with Jeff and Martin, which was which was interesting. And thank you to our followers for listening and and the positive comments. But but yeah, it's proper. It, it's good to have a proper guest on. Yeah, it was, it was colourful. So we thought by getting Bozzy back on, we can kind of even the, the balance, um, you know, for, for the pod. Because, I mean, uh, I referred to, there were two girls in the office with us when we were recording this in their office. And I said, oh, the, the beautiful girl, two beautiful ladies are with us as well. And Jeff, the first thing Jeff said on the, pod, on the podcast was, have you got fucking cataracts? His <laughs> 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 employees. So, and it didn't. It didn't get any better, yeah. did it, really? No, I was about to say, that was probably the cleanest thing he said all night, which is why we recorded for 45 minutes and only was able to use 22 of them. <laughs> Eugene had a massive editing job to do. Uh, Eugene, you. we should just talk quickly about the Tavs. Um, oh. Obviously, we had, we had the Christmas lunch on part Monday? late. That was a legal party, Boris, if you're listening. <laughs> hey. Hey. Um, where 600 people raised £120,000 for the Lord's Taverners at one lunch, which was phenomenal. Uh, great day, wasn't it? Probably We probably went on a bit longer than we needed to. Yeah, I mean, you know, what a, what a setting. I mean, you know, sharing the table um, with some fantastic guests. I mean, you know, um, Ian the Comedian, we had, um, you know, obviously Merv, who always invites us to everything. Obviously yourself, Jono. We had uh, members from Wimbledon. 
Um, and a certain bowler, John. Who was the bowler that was there with us? Uh, what was his name? Oh, Gladstone. Uh, of course, yes, Gladstone Small. Gladstone. And what a legend that man is! I can tell yeah, you that. Absolutely. We absolutely. spent many a night, or, or many a uh, many a minute, talking about cricket and and and, and having a uh, maybe a glass or two of wine. But yeah, what a fantastic evening! Always well attended and probably even better hosted because the guests that they had were just phenomenal. Yeah, Gower, Miles, Jock. Um, uh, just some amazing people in the room, like Mark Lawrence and the footballer was there. They did loads of actors. Like everywhere you looked, he was like, "I'm sure I know him." Oh yeah, he's yeah, in the whole yeah. thing. And like there was another guy from the Durrells and all these like weird and wonderful people. And it was, I mean, there was one fella called Sir Richard Stone, I think his name is. I was talking to him in the in the um, the drinks reception before we went in, and he just he just called. He, he said, "Oh hi, John. I'm Richard. I've been I've been told that you support the charity." So I was like, "Oh yeah, nice to meet you." He then goes in to open the thing as Sir. He gets announced as Sir Richard Stone. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, that's Dicky!" I was just talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Sir Richard Stone or Sir Richard Story, maybe it is. Um, made it. And made it. some fella that works for Radio X. You know that that you know. Toby, Toby, and Chris uh, Terrell were there. Uh, <laughs> friend of the pod, Toby. Um, he won the balloon debate. Where we? Um, oh, did he? That was, that, was, that was Wednesday, by the way. So go on to that. Tell us a little bit about Wednesday. Yeah, so I was at, uh, I was at, in the long room uh, at Lord's last night. I mean, it sounds like a really kind of quite nice existence. It's not. It's miserable. I wake up most mornings with a hangover in December. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get to eat some nice food surrounded by some nice people in an incredible setting, which was fantastic. Um, Bozzy was invited, but as it was Lord's, he declined the invitation. Yeah, man, I'm not going there. I ain't going there. <laughs> I'm not, mate. Unless they black all the windows out, it, with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not having anything to do with it. Um, yeah, so that was nice. And then I've got the Knotts Taverners Christmas lunch tomorrow. So, and then a, a rest over the weekend, I hope. So, Jesus. Uh, so yeah, that's that. Uh, right, the Ashes. I mean, how great has it. it been? It's been so good. Oh, hang on. That's from a neutral's <laughs> perspective, right? I mean, Tuesday, Tuesday, I was pissed. So I watched it get to 11 for three and then just thought, right, sod that. Hang on. And what then, did you guys make of that very first ball? I have to ask this. Sorry. Very first ball of the match. Buzzy, come on. Tell yeah, us. What, do you know what? I'm not, I, I'm in, I'm tucked in bed at nine o'clock. I go to bed really, really early and I'm not a watch. I won't stay up and watch it. What I have done, I think when I've been young, it's always been a disaster. So I just avoid it at all costs. And I'll wake up and obviously I'll check my phone. And the worst thing about me now is my eyesight's really going. So I have to wear glasses. I don't have my glasses the other night. And I woke up, I looked at the phone, thought, brilliant, 149 for none. This is amazing. This is unbelievable. Then I had to get my glasses out and relook. I was like, you are <laughs> kidding me. 147 all out. I was like, oh no, here we go again. I went downstairs, put the old YouTube or whatever it was, looked at the looked at the game, and then saw that first delivery. And then I'm a massive, I'm an anorak in terms of te te um, technical analysis. So I was looking at all the things online and social media, and um, the position Burns got into was just horrific. I mean, it was a car yeah. crash, wasn't it? Yeah. First ball, nerves. I mean, it was awful. I feel sorry for him, mate. Jeez. Uh, I mean. 
you know, it, it was obviously you've, people have analysed it to death. And it, it, was it a half volley? Was it, you know, should he been at LBW if, if anything? Should he whacked it for four? You just don't know until you're in that high pressure environment, the first ball of, a, of an Ashes series, and you're you've lost your leg stump. I mean, that's it's right on the ball. Bowled around your legs. Bowled around your legs for a half volley. I mean, it, it swung, didn't it? It did shape. Yeah, it did. It you did know, that's his strongest area. I mean, you watch him. He clips you mid wicket brilliantly, but yeah. I mean, surely he's expecting a fl- you know a full one outside off stump, so he's just all right. I'm cover- yeah. covering all angles, oh, and I don't oh. know whether it's a plan or whether it's just slipped out a bit for Stark, and he's got lucky. Yeah, well, you know, ne- you never know. I, mean, I don't. Yeah, you'll never know until you actually speak to it. It could be just a loosener. Couldn't I? I don't know what pace it was, but the first ball of an Ashes series, we're, we're slightly on the uh, we're on the back foot, aren't we? And you know, you asked that question earlier on. We, do you win the toss and battle ball? And that is a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you hear all those old sort of myths about yeah, you just bat nine times out of ten, you bat the t- the other time you think about bowling, but then you bat. But do you know what? Stats state it's about fifty fifty. You know. If you look at stats through the history of the game of cricket, whether you bat or bowl, generally it, it doesn't it doesn't make a difference in terms of um, you know people saying should you bat first. It, it you know at certain grounds it's fifty fifty, and I think we should bowl first. I really do. Um, I, yeah, in hindsight, great, isn't it? You look at the wicket, the colour of the tinge of the wicket. You, we should have bowled. Um, and no, yeah, and, and obviously the selection. I think you know people asking me in the P office about. You know, why is Broad and Anderson not bowling? And I mean, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I, they must have some stats or some information. And I know they do a lot on that, on the reasoning why those two are playing. But I reckon Broad is spitting feathers. He oh, will be, imagine trying to manage him now in that, in that environment where, or having that conversation with him again because you know we did it before the, against the West Indies in the summer and having the same conversation he was fit and I follow him on Instagram and some of the stuff he's been doing to get to that position and then not playing him um, that's tough when they were talking about I mean look everybody's got their own reasons as to why maybe why they've done it or whatever but I was thinking about it and you know, there's a lot being made of this pink ball test at Adelaide, this day-night thing and they want to keep him for that because they don't think it swings so much at, at the Gabba which is fine but Brody, you wouldn't say he's a really a swing bowler. He is the, no. the guy who's six foot seven who will hit the deck hard. That would probably suit that. But then, if you, you know, our two greatest ever fast bowlers in term in terms of wickets are James Bro- James Anderson and, and Stuart Broad. And it's almost like we kind of gone to well, we never win at the Gabba anyway, and we want to keep them both fit for this day nighter. So it's almost like oh, well, we're kind of happy to go into the second test one nil down. Well, it's really hard to get back at the Aussies when they've got the tails up, which they will have, obviously. Yeah, you know, absolutely, yeah. We need to nip three out real quick tonight, I think, and then yeah. back long. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's stra- it seems strange to me to... Um, yeah. Did you see the start to play at Brisbane? No. We, I, think, I think in 34 test matches, only one team's ever won there, so it's not great right? Um, for us to actually perform there. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where you one nil down in Australia. That's a tough old series. That is a t- that's that's right on the wall, isn't it? They're going to get four. They could end up getting four forty five hundred. They could bowl us out for two hundred and then one nil down, and it's it's tough to come back from that. 
in Australia. Have you ever been there? Have you been to Australia playing cricket there? I, I, I've only been once and I, I was on the ground for two and a half days. It's a long way to go for two and a half days, Australia. But it was <laughs> where, did you, where did you fly to? Melbourne. Oh, right. Where were you going to? I had a conference at uh, the Melbourne Convention Centre. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think the real story, is, Scott, is they didn't let him stay for much longer, so they kicked him out. Get rid. That's how David Warner's house just launching eggs at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought know. that was you in India, but hang on, yeah, okay, let's go. Yeah, I'm, I'm well I know, I know, Brody. So talking talking about Melbourne, you know, Brody when he didn't walk for um, when he got when he did the edge, yeah, yeah. In Australia, they have these T-shirts on um, Stuart Broad's a bloody idiot or something. And um, the thousands of Australians, one of my mates actually had these T-shirts on. I played over there a couple of times. And uh, Broadie put on his Facebook thing about um, this kid who came up to him with, uh, Stuart Broad is a bloody idiot. And he came up to him in the middle of the street in Melbourne and asked him for directions and didn't know who he was. No he had this T-shirt on. Stuart Broad is a bloody idiot, and he, he didn't have the uh, he didn't have the um, yeah to, to ask to actually say that I'm Stuart Broad. You actually wearing a T-shirt, <laughs> taking the mick out of me. But that is a hard place to play cricket. I mean, it's like South Africa. Um, yeah. It's it's tough. If you're on the back foot, man, they are they are going to find it really hard, really really hard. But we'll see. We'll see. I think the only positives are, I mean, and these are tiny positives. <laughs> Go on. I thought, I thought, I mean, generally most people look quite good until they get out, but I thought Stokesy actually looked like, it looked pretty good, he looked pretty solid. He did, yeah, you're right. I think Ollie Pope will surprise people, I'm backing him to have a good series, I think Wokes yeah. does offer something at eight, Butler, yeah. um, obviously I did alright, and then I was speaking to Simon the other day and he said, oh, he wafted at one, I think he got a pretty decent nut from Stark and he just followed it a little bit, but... Um, I actually think David will, will have quite a reasonable series. But, uh, okay. I mean, look at Joe. Joe, as if I know him. I've never met him. Um, Root. But, yeah. Root, Captain mate. Root. Yeah. But, um, you know, everyone's going on about, oh, he's had this phenomenal year and this, that and the other. Look, everybody knows that form dips at times. And everybody's going, oh, he's going to be, you know, we need him to score all these runs if we're going to. He must be feeling that pressure. Oh, but if now is when he does have that dip in form, then that then becomes a problem because he is absolutely our shining light with the bat at the moment, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I think other people will step up. Like you said, Pope's going to be up there. Stokes is going to be up there. I'm with you, actually. I think Milan, you know, he likes hard, bouncy decks. You know, uh, when you look at where he scored his runs, I think he's he should be up there. I mean, I know he got a, you know, oh, maybe he shouldn't have played at the ball that he got out to, but he looked... Solid for his um for his for whatever it was six runs oh, seven runs yeah. five whatever it is yeah I know right yeah, that's so like top score for us John of the season come on <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so the Ashes is cancelled I'm going to hibernate until England go to the West Indies to play some T Twenty cricket um and uh, yeah I, I don't want to talk any more about it uh, so no messages <laughs> from the the listeners um talking of, talking of listeners we must please remind you to please like and subscribe to the podcast. So you don't have to continually come and find it or remember that we might have recorded, but you will be notified um, that two two morons, whether it's me and Simon or me and Eugene, have, have somehow managed to convince another guest to come on and, um, you know, impart some wisdom to us. Um, but, yeah, we should get back now to to, to Bozzy. Uh, in terms of a recap, um, 
for those of you who haven't listened, you should absolutely go back and listen to the first episode. Like, what an amazing story. Um, I, I get amazing for to learn from, from from us. Obviously, you know, a lot of kind of emotional toil uh, over that period for, for Scott. But talking about that, you know, infamous over in that um, in that final at Lords and, and what he went through. Uh, so absolutely go and check that out. Tonight's very much more about how do we, what happened after that and, you know, how's he come through that? Obviously, we talked about his wife last time and, you know, the rock that she's been to him. So uh, tonight's more about the positive, what's happened since uh, kind of side of things. So, um, Eugene, I, just before we go into that, you you did have a couple of questions, having listened to the first one that you just wanted to go through. I with did, us. Scott, yeah. I mean, you know, look, I mean... I... When 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 Jono and and Simon said to me we've got Scott Boswell coming and I was like well fantastic he's a great guy. you know he was like well did you watch that over and I went what over I had no idea what he was talking about or when he was talking about um and I suppose it's it's something that you have to be within the UK to understand because living in South Africa it wasn't a big thing across the rest of the world and I suppose that's got to do with at the time you know television rights and everything else that was going on but so I had to go and look this up. So I, I went and looked it up and I, and I saw the over and I suppose I went and looked at the scorecard. When I was looking at the scorecard, I had some really interesting questions for you. So one, why did Darren Stevens not bowl a ball? And he's taking wickets for fun right now. <laughs> That's a really good question. Darren, do you know what? Darren Stevens used to bowl in the nets, bowling his 65 mile an hour away swing. And I was like, everybody would be like playing and missing, playing and missing. He didn't even bowl in second team cricket at Leicester, you know. He didn't bowl. He just didn't bowl. But in the nets, he'd be, he'd have so much skill in, 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 a little slow ball. And he'd never bowled. And everybody was wondering why and he just didn't do it. And then he's, I think he started bowling when he went to Kent at the age of 30. Yes. Yeah. So I don't think he took a first, I might be wrong, but I don't think he took a first class wicket when he was at Leicester. He just did not bowl. Didn't even bowl in not even second class. And then he went to Kent, and they just said, "Right, let's keep on." <laughs> You're opening the voting for us, yeah. He's got 700 first class wickets. Mad, isn't it? I, it's it's bonkers when I was looking at it because I mean that was his fourth yeah. season of playing cricket, and I'm thinking 2001 fourth season. We're in 2022 next season. He's still playing, and yeah. that was his fourth season. I mean, you know yeah. what a stalwart to the game, and and what a legend he is. It was a frustrating blow, by the way, it was Darren Stevens. He oh, well. never rocked up on time. And he's one of those people, he would just rock up and he was like, you'd be an hour late and you'd be like, where the hell have you been? Hey, Bozzy, how are you? Just really <laughs> relaxed. What have you been up to? Waiting for you for a frigging hour. Where have you been? <laughs> he was just so chilled out. And do you know what? It, he's not the sharpest in the world, is uh, Darren Stevens. And, and I don't think he has any thoughts whatsoever when he goes out to bat. His mind is so clear. There's nothing going on. Like, you know that Homer Simpson, uh, where the bed goes up, bed goes down. There's nothing yeah, yeah, yeah. going on in his head. And and that's, that's perfect for that's cricket. perfect for cricket, though, right? It's that, you know, when you have no thoughts, you just see ball, hit ball. Yeah. His, his theory was, if it's in the arc, it goes out of the park. That's all he used to say. In the arc, it goes out of the park. If it's up, it's going. And that's all he did. He had no thoughts. And he was brilliant at doing it. Absolutely well, brilliant. And he's still very good at doing it. <laughs> he's 40, he's 45, he's yeah, 46, yeah. and he's still playing. I he's thought he should have been on that Ashes tour that's just been cancelled. Yeah. Oh, my God, he'd be brilliant. <laughs> he'd be taking he wickets. He'd be 52 miles an hour, wasteland. 
yeah. So, yeah. There, there was one more person in the game that, um, you know, when you look at the, I mean, I think you guys lost by 42 runs in the end. There was one other person in the game that I was expecting when I saw his name, maybe to have a hundred reading connects to his name. And that was um, Shahid Afridi. I mean, he was, you know, oh, what happened there? I mean, <laughs> oh my God, here you are. Man, he was crazy. I didn't, he, he rocked up. We had, a, we had an overseas called Danny Marsh, Daniel Marsh, who was from Tasmania. Didn't play for Australia. I think he might have played Australia. Right? He was unbelievable pro. Like, he was so good. He was, he trained hard. He just, you know, typical Australian, worked hard, knew his game inside out, bowled, I don't know, eight overs in the 40-over game, two for 20 every week, finished games off, 70 runs, not out, job done. And um, he got his cheekbone broken during a match where Devin Malcolm forgot to put his bloody contact lenses in. He put his contact lenses in the wrong way around, couldn't see a thing, ran in, bowled the first ball to second slip, broke uh, Danny Marsh's uh, uh, jaw. And when I heard the crack, I was at mid-on, it was horrendous. He went off and then Jack Berkershaw was frantically looking for this overseas and found Shahid Afridi. And we didn't know anything about him, apart from he can bowl a quicker ball at 80 miles an hour. And um, and he, he netted. And I was thinking, what the hell have we signed here? He was awful. It was at the back of Leicestershire Grace Road Nets. They were going sideways. Darren Stevens just bowled him every ball. You know, <laughs> he was like swinging it around corners, showing it free. And I was thinking, why did we sign this character? But, but he could bowl a quicker ball. He bowled Darren Maddy with his quicker ball at 80 miles an hour. I think, right, he's a bowler. It's going to be brilliant for us. And uh, and then we saw him back against um, Lancashire where he scored 100. Oh, my God. I've never seen anything like it. It was literally teed off. And it was a <laughs> wicket that it was hooping. It was swinging everywhere. Um, there was, what was it, Flintoff, Chapel, you know, really good bowlers. And that ball, after two, three overs, stopped swinging instantly. As soon as Chapel went over the um, indoor centre and Flintoff went the other way, that was it. Ball stopped swinging. He smashed it all over the place. It was incredible. But you just didn't know what he was going to turn up. You know, he just didn't know what Shadi Freedy you would have. And he, let's put it this way, he enjoyed life off the field very nicely. Very nicely. <laughs> I'm sure, more, I'm than, sure he more, than, more than Jono. <laughs> more than Jono this week. <laughs> yeah, that, correct. Yeah, he, he enjoyed life. Let's put it that way. He was a great bloke, but he lived, he, his foot was flat on the accelerator the whole time. Yeah. I suppose where I was going with that, in summary, you know, that day for me, the reason that um, that you guys lost was one, because Vince Wells didn't bowl uh, Darren Stevens and yeah. Shahida Freedy didn't score 100. So it had nothing to do with you. You know, <laughs> look at the positives of life. That's what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> you two are, are going to be best mates like, by the yeah, end. Yeah, I'm loving you. I'm loving your work. I'm loving that as well. Oh, this is brilliant. They were basically <laughs> complimenting each other on the, the lack do of... Do you want some throwdowns, Eugene? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can only see half volleys. Don't you? <laughs> um, it, it, it needs more than a few throwdowns if, it, if his last season's record's anything to go by. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, the kit manufacturer, the bat that I got was just no good. Uh, I heard about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good, yeah. Yeah, oh, firmly back in my box, hasn't it? Right, on we go. Um, so yeah, obviously talking Bosley about um, the, the yips. We, we basically finish where you know it, when you when you met your wife, she she's actually the one that's really kind of you know helped you turn your life around. So uh, we want to talk about obviously you love triathlon, ultra. I don't know if you've done ultras and stuff, but like 
you know, let, talk, talk about, you know, you finish playing, you yeah. don't know where you are, you're in a real kind of hole mentally. Um, yeah. t- talk us through taking those first steps to kind of... Yeah, yeah. I, so, so when I finished playing, um, it was, came very quickly and it was almost a stage where I'd... St- it was a weird season because I had a good season in terms of the 40 overs. I was leading wicket taker, which I probably spoke about briefly on the last chat we had. And um, I think things were going well. I thought I was going to sign like a two-year contract. And the next minute, Lords, all the committee have seen this lad bowl this 14 ball over. Who the hell is this character? Get rid of him. Um, you know, I got sacked um, the day, the two days before we had to play the last game on the Sunday, which if we'd have won, we would have won the competition, which I was the leading wicket taker in. So I was sacked in that. I played in the game. I, you know, I faked an injury, as I mentioned last time. And then that was it. A week later, I'm finished. I'm like, what do, what the hell do I do? You know, I'm sort of 25, 26. What do I do in my career? Um, you know, I had a d- degree. Um, there was no, there was nobody ringing me up and saying, "All oh, right, do you want to come play?" I was like, "No." So I, I went up to Preston to play for them um, in the in the Lancashire League, and would travel up on a Friday, get your sort of your money in the shoe and all that kind of thing. So you'd, you'd look in your shoe at the end of the day to see how well you'd done, how much money was in there. There wasn't much money in there, so obviously I was in bad, I was having bad days, and I had the yips. I couldn't bowl. There was no point in me doing that. I, I sort of left that. So I thought, "What am I going to do?" And I, um, there was a few jobs. I had a, a job opportunity to go to Guernsey to be a teacher over there, but I wasn't ready for Guernsey. It was a small island. Um, and then I got a, a chance to work for Flix Cricket Pitches, which I am not a salesman. I, I just couldn't force anything on anybody. Um, and I remember um, just trying to sell these Flix Cricket Pitches and it just wasn't me. And um, I was like, what, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do in my life? And just by chance... Um, I was at a barbecue where um, one of my one of Steph's friends, my wife, her um, one of her best one of her friends had just done a GTP, a graduate teacher program at, at a local state school, and they were looking for somebody to do it. And I took on that 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 role, and it was something I wasn't really that keen to do at first. I was a bit apprehensive about it. I didn't want to stand in front of children. I wasn't my forte. And then I just got there, I did the GTP. I was a bit nervous about doing it. I did it, I enjoyed it, it was good fun. And do you know what? I found it rewarding actually coaching people um, from you know different backgrounds. I took them to Barbados for a tour, which we fundraised for two years. You know, I think only two or three of those kids have actually been on the plane. And it was amazing. You know, we fun, we did bingo, we did all sorts to raise money to get these kids, and I absolutely I loved it. And I thought, there's something in this. I, you know, I really, really enjoyed it. And um, I wasn't a great coach at the time. Um, I, you know, I didn't really know the game. I was still sort of wounded in sort of, it, you know, from the experience that I had. But I knew that I was enjoying this element of teaching. And I wasn't a great teacher at the time. I, I, you know, I was nervous. I was, you know, I had lots of holes in my understanding of how to get people to learn, etc. But I had some really good mentors. I had a guy called Ian Thomas, who was, um, he was an advanced school teacher. His, his son actually went on to play for uh, Leicester, actually. Uh, he went on to play for Wales. And he was just the most amazing bloke. And he was sort of my first real sort of mentor in terms of understanding kids and how to get to, to know a kid in terms of relationship. And he was always really good with the naughty kids, like the really naughty kids who just wouldn't do anything for the teachers. But when he was in the lesson, he would get them to do something. 
and it wasn't a massive amount, but it was just a little bit. And it just that sort of relationship with the kids that he had, I thought, yeah. I really like that. And I thought, how do you do that? And he just talked to them, talked to them like human beings. And some of those kids had some, you know, some serious issues. Um, and I just sort of grew from that. I left that school after about three years. The head of the head of uh, PE there, um, I thought I might have mentioned it last time, put an advert on my table for the um, director of cricket at Nottingham High School. I thought it was a bit weird. I said, you know, is he trying to get rid of me, or is he, uh, or is he actually? And he was generally, you know, he said, look, I think you need to grow. You need to, you know, a new challenge. And he gave me that sort of um, sort of confidence to go on to to go and teach at another level. And I went to a private school in Nottingham, and um, sort of grew from there. Um, took, taught there for about five years, and, and I've mentioned before. I always, when we played a school called Trent College, I always wondered how did Trent always beat us? Like they were a small school, uh, you know, a real punchy school. And I was like, how are they doing this? How are they beating high school with with very few numbers? And uh, an opportunity came up to teach there, and I, I, I took it. It didn't go down very well at high school. It didn't go down very well because there were major rivals with each other. And I went there and it was like a breath fresher. It was all about the process, not about the winning. It was about the, it was just about how to bring up a kid in the right way, gain a relationship with them and the process will, will look after the outcome. And the head of, the head of sport there, Adam Benstead, who is just the most amazing bloke I've ever met. And he, he just talked about that the whole time about the process. And um, it was a complete change in my mindset where I'd gone from winning was the most important thing. Don't get me wrong, I love winning. Uh, to an environment where it was just about the process. And it was brilliant. And I loved it. And I just, it, it was, it resonated with me. It, it suited my values. And, you know, I've grown and grown and been there sort of, I'm still there, you know, 10, 11 years. The, from what I've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think a big thing also from a, a trend perspective is that they've allowed you to kind of, build cricket now in 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 your own way so you're very yeah. much kind of responsible for it yeah and like you respond you, you're responsible for you know glory as well as failure and but yeah. it allowed you to mold the kind of coaching style but the way in which the the school goes about its cricket in, yeah. in the way in which you absolutely want it to be done which must be fantastic yeah it's taken i'd take a second 10 years to get there and i think freddie's probably on the you know, Freddie McCann, you know really well, he's probably, you know, getting, I would probably say, I'm going to blow my own trip here, a really good service in terms of, you know, he he can train three times in the gym on a, you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday um, with a program. I know he has a program with knots and stuff. He gets a, a, a group session or sort of two, two in a group with Jenny Gunn and myself once a week. So, you know, he, when he has a free in his, uh, one of his, you know, he's doing his A-levels, he can have a session with Jenny and myself. I mean, he's working with another person within that as well, who's similar ability to him. Um, he gets a group session on a Friday. Um, you know, we do psychology, we do mindfulness, we do, there's a whole sort of holistic approach to it. And it's taken a long time to get to that, but, you know, he is receiving something that he probably wouldn't get at a county level. And, um, you know, we do morning sessions, well, after, he doesn't know this, but after Christmas, he's doing a morning fitness session, you know, um, from seven to whatever time that may be. And we're really stretching those kids. Yeah. He has to coach, you know, he coaches on a Thursday. Right. So an example of him, most of the first teamers will coach the, the, the junior boys. So, that, you know, that cycle continuously moving along. Um, and they get a real, you know, they play 
a high level as well um, in terms of the fixtures that we play. And, you know, and I, I push them. You know, we've got Paul Johnson there as well yeah. as a batting coach. Uh, we're hopefully getting Steve Mullaney on board after Christmas. Oh, wow. and he's going to be doing a little bit. Yeah, cool. So, you know, in terms of opportunity and people like Freddie, who's just all over it, man, he is, he is all over it. Um, and, you know, he, he's going to grow. You know, you look, you look at his body shape at the moment. I don't know if you've seen him. Uh, well, recently. Like this last time, you, I mean, I'm really interested to know if he's cut that 2K time down now because he was. Oh, man, he's all over. He's onto about. I think he's. I could tell you from my phone, is here. <laughs> we've got one lad. I mean, it's, it's amazing. We've got 24 lads who first team, and we've got one lad who has come to our school. He's, he just got 640 for a 2K run. I mean, what's he? Um, where is he at? He's at 741 for 2K. Wow. He's he said he's lost ten kgs of weight since August, I think. Wow! So he, is, if you look at him now, he is a fit, fit boy, and that's right. because I think he's in a really good environment. Yeah. I think he would be anyway because of is it not? But now he plays football twice a week as part of his game session. Um, you know, he's training probably two, three times a week at school uh, for fitness. He's just in a, he's in a really good place. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'll push him. We'll push him. Do you do you encourage them to play other sport? The kids at the school. Do you encourage them to play other sport because it enhances their cricket skills? And then, how do you take them to go? Well, hang on. Cricket seems to be the one that you're going to exceed at. That's yeah. the professional career you need to go down. Do you have that conversation with them or the parents? Yeah, or how does that work? Yeah, you definitely. And do you know what? Not to really good at that as well. So I sit down with their knots coaches at the beginning of the year in September and just work out with you know what they're doing in terms of load, uh, making sure I'm not too too much with them. And you know Matt Wood is encourages them, encourages him to play football. I think the strength and conditioning coaches encourage to play football. I think Trent is a school that would encourage them not to specialise. In terms of they will specialise them, that's their favourite sport. But we will encourage them. They'll play. He'll play football twice a week. A lot of the boys play hockey. Um, so they'll play football or rugby to, up to Christmas and after Christmas they'll play hockey and, and we encourage them, I'd say six or seven of them will play for sort of first, seconds or thirds of hockey. I think hockey's a great sport. I've never really played Hand-eye it. coordination, so good for it, yeah. Oh, so, especially that. I mean, when I first came to Trent, you know, I started talking about playing in the V, you know, to some of these boys and they're looking at me thinking, I don't play in the V. There was a guy called Chris Proctor, who played, he played England hockey and first ball, I'm thinking, right, Proctor, just get in the V, just play nice and straight, chick it along. First ball, he reverse swept a seam of six. And I was like, <laughs> ah, I've not seen this. This is a bit different to high school. These kids are a little bit different. Yeah. And he said, that's the way I play, sir. That's my, that's my super strength. That's my method. That's the way I play. I went, love that. And it, it took me a bit of time to adapt to it, but I was like, something different about this. So, yeah, we really encourage, um, really encourage them to play hockey. Um, and a lot of them do. Um, of, of football or whatever sport that may be. Um, so Freddie's played, played football. He's enjoyed that. He's played a bit outfield, uh, played a bit in goal. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. I would definitely encourage I'd have those conversations with them. I think after Christmas, I think, you know, we start specialising a little bit. You know, to the level that Freddie's at, he, he's probably, you know, going to be doing, he does two academy sessions a week. So he goes off during his game session so he doesn't miss lessons and he, he gets... He gets involved in that. You know, who's really, you know, who's really good at that. Just bringing this back in is, um, is the Australians, Jono, because you know, you look at Alex Carey playing Aussie rules, and now he's like playing so well in the Ashes. I mean, you know, just shows you that. 
Is there a mute, <laughs> there a mute button for you, Leeway? Um, Sorry, did I bring up the ashes again? Sorry, yeah. Cancel, mate, I've told you. Um, the, so a couple of bits that I just want to pick up on there, Boz. So when you talk <laughs> Changing to the subject. <laughs> very quickly. 100%. Back to the interview. Um, the, so Freddie... In my experience, like sixteen-year-old lad, um, you know, fantastic, very, very, very talented. But yeah. you know, in our environment, because he's, he, he, he's, it's weird. You kind of want kids to come out of themselves a little bit, but Freddie's very much kind of appreciative of the fact that he is the youngster of the group and kind of is quite quiet. And I think that you know the, that thing where he has to coach is a really good life lesson for him because it forces him to come out of himself a little bit. Is that yeah. one of the main reasons for? doing it to offer him extra life skills like that? Yeah, lots. I think lots of reasons. I think that one particularly. But you know what? If you give responsibility to kids, they absolutely love it. Like he, he's with um, the year sevens and year eights. Uh, and then when he gets to year 13, he'll move up to the year nines and year tens. But, you know, he loves it. He loves scoring. He'll, he does a little bit of indoor cricket with them. And I and I also, which they hate, I, I get the kids to vote on their best kids, their best coach at the end of the lesson. Brilliant. So the word, the one that they don't like the most has to put the equipment away. So <laughs> I talk to I talk to them How about good is that? I talk to them about get to know the kid's name. So that's the one thing. Get the kids to know name, get a rapport with the kids. So I'll talk to them beforehand. Um, and then I want you to then try and find some way of, of, of coaching them. And, and getting something across to them because they will listen to you. They look up to you. I keep telling them this. They will look up to you. We get them also to present the year sevens where they come in their shirt. So, okay. so when they come into year seven, we do it at rugby as well. Uh, we do it at hockey. We do it at cricket. When they play for the A, B or the C team, they go to the chapel, they sit there, and then we get one of the um, six formers to present the shirt to them and explain what trend cricket means to them. Uh, which is really, I think, is really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. And do you know what? They take it on. We had an inspection the other day at school, and um, I had six six formers basically taking the lunchtime practice. I, I facilitated it. They set up. They did this, everything, and I just walked around, almost the stage where I could have just sat back and done nothing, which yeah. I don't. But, and I think that is where we're in a good place where the kids can lead the other little ones and it's and it just runs. And he and he does it. He's really, really good. He's very good at it, in fact. Great. Fred is an example of that. So, yeah, there are lots of things for leadership, talking to kids, getting a rapport with the kids. And the kids look up. You know, they'll now know that Freddie is an academy. I introduced them and he's an academy player at Knotts and, you know, uh, the club level he plays at. And the kids will, will see him as a role model and they've, connect, they've connected with him. And they'll go down and watch him, and it's hey Freddie, are you getting on? And it's a bit of banter. The, uh, the the thing that you mentioned, I think, was his name Chris Proctor, the hockey player. Um, oh yeah, and you yeah. Said he, he obviously goes in reverse sweeps. You know, works it for six. So the, yeah. the three of us at our respective ages, who are all pretty <laughs> similar, have very much grown up with that kind of in the V, play straight, yeah. blah, 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 you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and the game now has moved on so much. That's I just want to ask you how how important. And how flexible have you had to be to learning to, you know, cricket now is played in a very different way to the cricket that we know and how we grew up and how we were taught. How difficult has that been from a coaching perspective to kind of just go, that's that's cool and that's now the right way to do it? 
Yeah, lots of thought. I think knowing the individual, I think is really important. Um, I think you've still got to have, and I'm a big believer, you've still got to have the basics. I really think you've got to have the, the basics. Otherwise, if you start reverse sweeping from ball one, you know, it's going to be a long day for you. You know, if you're traveling two hours to go and play or a again, short one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, a short and a long one because you're going to be out. You're going to be out. So I'm a big believer of getting the foundations. I still go for the foundations. But if I see somebody like Chris Proctor now, what are my learnings from? If if that's his feel, if that's his feel and that's his go-to and he's he's worked out the percentages, then I'm let him go. Let him go. Let him play the shots. We've got a lad called Kieran Powell at the moment who plays at Leicester Academy. This guy is the best reverse sweep I've ever seen. He's unbelievable. He's incredible. His hands are amazing. But he can pick line, he can pick length so quickly. Um, and all I give him, I give him a little bit of information in terms of stats on like, if you're going to sweep on the stumps, this is what it looks like. In terms of if you miss the ball, you're going to be averaging between, you know, sort of 10 and 20. If you can pick the line and it's out down leg side or outside off stump, let's go for it. And I'm going to back you. If you practiced it, I'm going to back you to play that shot. And I have no issue with him playing it whatsoever. And if he gets out, I, 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 you know, unless he's got three, I don't know, on the backward points, which he has had, and then he'll go and play straight. Um, he's a very clever boy. Oh, he'll lap. He'll orthodox lap on the um, on the leg side. I've got no issues with that. But the juniors, I will I will strip it back to basics. Uh, I, even with the seniors, I've gone back to basics in terms of just being aware of your grip, your stance, your back lift, your body movements before, your triggers, whatever it may be. And I'll do it with senior cricketers and I'll do it with, you know, cricketers, professional cricketers that I've coached. Go to the basics first. I understand them but then I think if you know the individual and other sports they play then I will I'm more than happy for somebody like Chris Proctor to reverse sweep from ball one because that's the way he plays it almost if I got him to play straight I'm going to take probably 30% away from his natural game yeah, yeah. if I'm taking 30% away then I'm having a, I've got issues yeah I'm only taking 5% away of his game of his reverse sweeping because I'm trying to get him hit straight then yeah, I'm going to try and add that onto his game. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to try and encourage him to maybe look to score a single to mid on or whatever it is. Uh, to does, well. does the ECB help you in any way with that? Do they? You, you know, you've got all your different qualifications from an ECB level one to four. Do yeah. they? Are they starting now to evolve to go? You know what? This is not the handbook for coaching anymore. You don't play in the V. Yeah. It, you know, is it? Is there a slightly different tactic now where you've got to, you know, cock your wrists, your wrists, or you know, you've got to do something slightly different when reverse. Is that starting to come out in, yeah, in the coaching was, at the top level? Yeah, I think, I mean, I did the level four and I was really excited about getting into the sort of nitty gritty, the tactical, the technical stuff. And it was all about, it wasn't that. It was all about, first of all, about you. Get to know yourself first. First and foremost, get to know you. Yeah. If you don't know you, you're struggling. Then get to know your player. So find as much out about the player. And then the last bit was the technical stuff. So it, it, it did it was did surprise me in terms of that. Um, and also, yeah, if you know the player, you know the sports they play, you, you can then adapt your technical nows to that to that individual. And that was something that I learned. Massively. It's interesting. It's more about the psychology and getting to know the person and understanding how are they tick compared to well, keep your elbow high, you know. Yeah. It's it's interesting yeah. listening to you say that. Yeah, and do you know what? I, I won't coach, and I'm brutal. I will not coach anybody 
until I know that person, until they 100% trust me, I won't start coaching them. I won't say, oh, get your album up high or start doing that. I'll just get a, just a rapport with them. I'll get to know them um, and ask them questions first, I suppose. I think a good question in Q&A um, and bonding with them rather than saying, you know, do this, do that. And that's, for me, the most important thing. And then I can start coaching. And do you know what? Even something like Freddie, I will keep it very simple, very simple. Um, you know, I'll video him. I, you know, I've I videoed all the bowlers. I've videoed all the bats in terms of that. I've got that information. I'll share that with them and I'll ask them for their thoughts first. Mm. Uh, and then if there's something, I think there's a little bit of a safety element, whereas I, I think, you know, there's a dangerous action or a, a position that they're not quite in, then I'll question that first and get them to try and find, find it out. If they can't, because we're all different, aren't we? There's some kids you need to tell. You know, particularly yeah. at seven and eight, you probably need to have a more of an authoritarian approach. You know, this is the way it is. But somebody where, um, you know, like sort of Freddie and Chris Proctor, I will probe a little bit. And if they can't find it out, then I'll I'll explore. I'll say, look, this is the, this is what I've done. This is where I think uh, might work for you. Because if you tell somebody this is a way to do it, they try and it doesn't work. You get the, you get the blame, I suppose. Yeah. Coach, don't you? For people, gonna, for people that don't know Freddie and Chris, how old are they, lads? Oh, I don't know them. Uh, uh, well, Freddie's obviously sixteen. Chris is now he's not playing cricket. He plays professional. He's a hockey player. He's an international hockey player for Breeston. Uh, if he still played, I guarantee his first shot would be reverse sweep. <laughs> <laughs> it might not go for a six, but um, man, he was a serious player. He could walk with legs. I mean, you, see, well. you see it only with hockey players because obviously the reverse stick is such a natural thing in hockey. Yeah. There's a lad called Will Butler, who you must know, who plays at Cookney. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, he, and obviously Huge knows him as well. He, he just plays, you know, the reverse sweep at, in Premier League cricket all the time. And people just, yeah. he, he find him very difficult to, to bowl to because, and there's yeah. a lot of South African lads that do come over. The hockey's so big over there that they're yeah. so used to that action that actually the reverse sweep or the reverse lap or whatever yeah. is actually like quite a normal thing for them because they've grown up doing it in hockey. And so to yeah. transfer it into cricket isn't a difficult thing. Yeah, definitely. Chris Reed is another a good example. Reedy plays a lot of hockey. Uh, Marsden played a lot of Derbyshire. Uh, he played a lot of hockey. You know, hockey is for me, I didn't, I've never played. I did play a little bit at school, but not much. But I think it's a brilliant sport for, for transferable skills massively. The first person that comes to mind with hockey and cricket was John T. Rhodes for some reason. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. Well, A.B. de Villiers, he played a bit, didn't he? Well, he played every bloody sport. He's a freak. Gold singing, anything he yeah, did just turned to gold. To Even in retirement, he's earning money. The fool. Yeah, no, so, <laughs> he is a gun, isn't he? Let's be honest. Oh, unbelievable. So, yeah, hockey's hockey's really good one for me. Uh, and just letting kids explore, I think, is particularly at this age group. Uh, at that sort of, I mean, I'm blessed. I've got probably, I will never, I might, but I'll never have it at Trent. I've got, 25 boys who are just an outstanding cricketers and uh you know i feel really i'm just so grateful every day i'm walking in i'm thinking i'm working with you know mitch wagstaff who played he played first class cricket you know he's 16 17 year old lad he's got a 90 on debut and a 50. He, it's working with somebody like him a left hand i've got three left-handers in the top six mm. four left-handers we've got fate lander who's been with england at 19s who you know he was at trent at the age of yeah. seven at, 11, 12 years old, it's just, uh, it's brilliant. Proper breeding ground for international or for, 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 for up-and-coming cricketers, maybe not international, but up-and-coming cricketers. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? Regardless, I, I think what I've done at Trent as well, if you're, 
even if you're, you know, you're that performance level, there's also something for the, you know, we do scorers courses. I get keep people to umpiring courses. We do, we get them to do qualifications. I want kids to be, whenever they come to that, to trend, that they feel they're part of some kind of positive environment, whether they play for the C team or the D team or they play for the A team. You know, we, we, we took a scorer to Dubai and he, he came up to me, I called Will Singleton. And he said, sir, I've never been on a sports tour. I've never been a team. Can I, can I come and score? And he was, we could put him on a scores course to Dubai. And I said, absolutely, 100%. And his parents came on the tour as well and loved it. Man, they had the time of their lives. And that's what cricket's about, isn't it? Or sport's about, you know, ev everybody, yeah. getting everybody involved. Mm. Um, and I think, I think we do that at Trent really well. Um, you know, it, and another thing as well, I think, which is, I was talking to um, name dropping it, but not name dropping it. Lily Greenway, who um, she's doing some really good things. I love her commentator on, on Sky, etc. Mm. And uh, we were talking about girls cricket, uh, and she was she was the one who got Lydia, uh, got um, Tash Farron to come to Trent. She has a company called Girls for Cricket, dropping her company there, and um, she got Tash to come to Trent. And she was asking me questions about um, sort of the, the, the women's game. And I said, at the moment at Trent, we, we, it, it's mixed. It's, it's almost gender neutral. So on a Saturday, we'll probably have 25 girls now playing. We have probably 15 fixtures on a Saturday playing within those teams from first team all the way down to sort of under 12D. There's wow. 25 girls playing hardball cricket. Brilliant. And the other thing is as well, like Jenny, Jenny Gunner's with us, with, with her and Tash was, they don't see her as a female. They just see her as a cricketer. Yeah. And it's, I tell you what, there's not many sports where that happens. And Jenny Gunn on a sidearm is like facing Jimmy Anderson on bleach at Trent Bridge. Yeah. And she's unbelievable. We had a lad called Josh Glover the other day. And I said to him, I texted him, he, he had a bit of a rough net. And I said, look, Josh, you've got, to, you've got to hold your shape sometimes. You know, he's trying to slog everything. And I said, you've got to hold your shape a little bit better, work a bit better. And he, he texts me back saying, well, bloody Jenny Gunn on the side. I was like facing Jimmy Anderson. She got me out every bloody ball. <laughs> and, and then I came to the other net and I lost, I basically lost my shit. And he was trying to whack, he's a number 11. He was trying to whack every ball for, for four and six. And I just, I sent that text to Jenny and she laughed. And do you know what? The boys just think she's brilliant. She just, yeah. you know, she's just, a, a coach and uh, it's not you know she's not a female she's just a coach and I think those barriers are, are start, have changed a lot and that started with I think Sarah Glenn who played in the first team uh, with the boys um, and then Tash Farron who coached and then Jenny Gunn and do you know what I, I hate to say it, and I, I, I think um, women work and that's the reason why I've gone into the women's game a little bit because I quite enjoy it um, they, they've got a great attitude they've got no ego they want to work uh, and it's, yeah, they're brilliant. Mm. And the game is developing so much to the stage where I'm thinking, actually, when will it be when actually women could potentially, you know, compete in the, in the men's game? It might not ever happen, but I think it could get close um, because they've just got a great attitude to, to succeed. And they, they're a little bit literal in terms of their thinking, um, but they work harder. They work a lot harder than that. Well, you, you're seeing it happen and, and, and sort of transpire in, in, club, in clubs today. You see a lot yeah. of women playing in senior yeah. sides. And that's why I think a lot of cricket clubs call, you know, their, their senior side senior sides and not the men's side. Yeah. Because you can have, you know, anybody playing, whether yeah. it be male or female. Um, 
or yeah. however you identify and playing in those in those in those sides definitely and it's boosted our numbers i mean we, we used to put three teams out we're putting like four or five senior teams out which is great and it and the kids want to play and we were playing sort of a b c d e down the ages and it's it's super kids want to play cricket and that's what i want that's what we want we want kids into this game at every level whether you're going to be a treasurer whether you're going to be a you know play down for play for england i want kids playing cricket you know because the experience that i've had and i love the game Absolutely. when you um i want to just pick up on like umpiring um and um coaching so my, my one of my bugbears about about cricket and i think things that we need to improve not at a school level but you know, t- for you to go through and get to your level four, like as an amateur, you can do level two and then it becomes incredibly difficult because unless you've got a tie to a, um, a a professional setup, then I don't think you can even do your level three or level four. Certainly not Is that right? Two. Yeah, you, it's just, and I think um, it's really inaccessible for... Oh, that's, disappointing. that's disappointing. It could be some amazing coaches because I think with level four, don't you, you have to spend X amount of time with a professional setup or something. And I think... You know, I, I don't know if there's a way in which the that we could look to change that, and maybe it'll change in the future because people there might be some brilliant coaches who were just never good enough to play professional cricket. Same yeah. with the you know to get on the elite umpires panel. I know yeah. Billy Sheffield's doing it at the moment, like but he yeah. played professional cricket. Like you know, it, is it absolutely necessary that someone had to have played even you know one game of list A cricket? Oh, you can be a professional umpire, whereas someone who's never done it can't for some reason. It just, yeah, I just wonder if we're missing out on stuff. Yeah, yeah. I only only got into level four because they had filled every role within the elite system with level four coaches. So they had enough level four coaches within, I don't know, academies and second team and first team. So it was, they were starting to go down the school level. Um, but they still wanted to know why I was doing that level four. And if I'm honest, I, I said that I was looking to get into a professional game. I wasn't at the time when I did it yeah. probably six, seven years ago. I was very happy in my role, but I just wanted to learn. I wanted to grow as a person. I wanted to develop. I wanted to find out what this level four was about because I'd heard so much about it. Um, as disappointed about the level three. I didn't know that. Um, it should be because, you know, the best coach of the best coach I've ever had uh, was a guy called Bob Carter. I don't think he played first-class cricket. He, he's he's with, involved in New Zealand now. He coached Wellington, whatever the Firebird. I played with his son Leo Carter. He played for uh, Twickenham. Okay. I know Bob. I know Bob. Yeah. Yeah, and do you know what? He was the mentor. He didn't say much, but when he said something, they were like little, you know, little droplets of gold. And uh, I, I just, I just remember everything he said. You know, little little sayings that he said, and I was like, yeah, you're a really good coach. And he wasn't. I don't think he played. I think he played maybe one. I think he played first class. No, I think he played second team. Tough bloke. Tough, tough bloke. Absolutely uh, legend too, though. Really, to your point, though, so personable. You know, yeah. gets to know people, yeah. understands them. Yeah. I mean, he came over and watched us when his son was playing. And to your point, you know, he was giving us. I mean, he was doing the performance coaching in New Zealand at the time. Yeah absolutely willing to spend time with us you know yeah. um yeah to your point getting to know us understanding a bit more about the club yeah and i suppose you know the, to your point there coaching is more about understanding people and how they tick compared to to the technique yeah. but yeah it's sure to... my technique will survive the cricket game yeah <laughs> <laughs> far too, far too um, late for us, 
Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that about cricket, though. I mean, we're all so different, aren't we? We've all got different ways and, of playing the game. And it's it, 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 it's that why. I think that's the other thing I, I was going to try and talk about was, I think for me, um, is that why. I think from my personal experience, I, if that hadn't happened to me at Lord's, I don't think I would have been a coach. I might, I might have been a, a no, okay, I, I'm not a no good coach, but I'm, I have a why. And, and it just, why did that happen to me? What skills did I not have technically, mentally, physically, um, all those, what, why? Why did that happen to me? And it just, even now, it's, it's a fire inside me that I just can't stop thinking about. You know, um, and and trying to, I think I've got an abundance of empathy for other people because of what have happened. But I, I just want to know. I want to be in their shoes. I want to feel what they feel. Their lenses. What what are they seeing? Um, and somebody always talked about that. I'm trying to think who, who gave me that. Always see it from other people's lenses. You know, when you go into a room with somebody, you know, you could have. I mean, you two could have had a really shit day. You could be hungover and. Thinking, Christ, I hope this is going, this is going on a bit. Whatever it may. Are you talking about John? Are you looking into his mind? <laughs> you know, whatever, and, and, and I think that's really important. And I've learned to do that. I think I've learned really to, to, to see it from other people's, um, from people's point of view and, and feel from their shoes and feel their empathy. And, and, and that, that makes such a difference, I think, in terms of coaching. And I think then people relate to you, they can trust you, and then you can coach them you can then start to coach them. And I think that's what I've, I've learned from, from my experience of Lords to, to where I am now um, has, has helped me massively, massively. Umpires. I just want to ask about umpires. <laughs> um, everybody, everybody's got their own view on umpires. Like, you know, like they're all, needed. We, we've all got <laughs> horrific stories about league umpiring and, you know, I'm sure they're much better in the professional game, but, yeah, obviously, coach at Plumtree, Premier League cricket side in, in the Knotts Premier League. Um, you know, the, the, you hear, and we all moan about umpires, but, I mean, you, without umpires, the game can't exist, right? So we, we all hate to love them, but we, you know, they are essential for cricket to continue. I guess my question is, I don't think I will ever, um, I will never umpire league cricket I, but I, and I, and I think a lot of people I speak to say a similar thing. But do we think that there's going to be all of a sudden we're always going to need the same amount of umpires? But I I worry that the way in which the game is played in league cricket, yeah. whether people of our generation are ever going to want to pull on that white coat on a Saturday afternoon and go out and do it, is that is yeah. that an issue for cricket moving forward? Yeah, I think so. I I, I do. Um, however, however. Um, you know, Trent, we have done umpiring courses and we have a cricket festival and we get all the kids to umpire it. They get their white jacket and there's an ECB initiative. Um, I don't know if you know, through Peter McKenzie. Um, and he, he runs this this um, course where they get qualified. They did a video about it. It was brilliant. And they umpire the kids. It's great. However, you know, there are not many young umpires, are there? And uh, there's there's one in the league, and I think he's really really good. And I'm trying to give his name. I probably won't mention it, but he's he's a really really. He's just calm. He's relaxed. But you know, at Plumtree, and I suppose at your club as well, we we all moan about umpires, don't we? We all complain about them. We all have our issues with them, but they're so important. And 
you know, I've been on the field in the heat at the moment and I've blamed an umpire for a shocking decision and we do it. But if we don't have them, the game, the game, the game will die. It's and it's the toughest job in the world. You know, I go and I umpire, you know, under 13, whatever it is, Bs and Cs, and I make mistakes. You know, I'll, I'll forget to count to, you know, to count to six is really hard. <laughs> it's like really hard. It's like, you know, if you, if you haven't got a counter, and to remember the signals, and I'm the best umpire for three overs because I'm focused and concentrating. You get that four, fifth, six, and I've gone. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, we have an umpire at school called Adam Gallagher. If it's after T and you get on the pads, you are in a hole <laughs> of bother. Mate, he just triggers people. He just gone. He's an Australian as well, which is even worse. Um, so, yeah, umpires... I try really hard at Plumtree to, um, you know, to, to try and move on or try and work with an umpire. Mm. You, know, you know, I didn't sweep in club cricket, did not sweep in club cricket. Don't give an umpire an opportunity to give you out in club cricket. I'd have swept in at higher level, but not in, and, and it's playing the umpire. At Leicester, you know, we always made sure, you know, one person in the team had to go downstairs off the umpire cup of tea, get chatting to them, the, you know, make sure the match balls, just that banter, gain that relationship again. You know, does it make a difference? Yeah, it probably it probably yeah. does, doesn't it? Making a difference, make it. But the shortage of umpires is a it's it yeah, it could be an issue. It could be. Um I think death. it comes down to pay, doesn't it? And and I'm you know, I'm gonna say that with the greatest respect because <clears throat> we played cricket, we play cricket for the love of the game, and when you become a professional, I think there's still a sense of enjoyment when you play the game. And yes, it happens to earn you a certain amount of money. Yeah. But when you look at the amount of money that umpires earn, one in the club level, and I'm not even going to try and speculate as to how much money they will earn at the county or even the international level, but I suspect, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you, based on how much money there is in cricket television versus football television, that, that it's chalk and cheese, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I suppose when you look at a career going forward, um, as a youngster... Do you want to be an umpire when you grow up? Do you know what, know. though? It is decent money. It is, is it? First class, it is really good. And do you know what? Do you know how many days a week? Yeah, they work. Not many. Yeah, 90. <laughs> Every Saturday? 90, 90. I mean, it's high pressure. 90 days a year. They get paid all year round. It's a, you know, there's obviously, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's pressure. But they, it's a good, it's a good career to go into. You know, you no, well, no Paul Pollard plays golf at Olinwell and somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, absolutely. David Mills, I, you know, he, ah. yeah, I mean, it, but yeah, it is a good career to get into, as in terms of, and you've got this, you know, as a pathway as well to get to the international level. Yeah. Um, you know, all these, all the IPLs and all the franchises that are going around the world, T10. Yeah. yeah. I would never do it. I'd be the worst umpire in the world. I'd, I'd be dreadful. Absolutely so it's dreadful. important. We've learned, we've learned then, guys, that those of us playing amateur cricket need to be nicer to umpires. Um, yeah. that's, that's absolutely a given. And, um, and no, I am not Maria Erasmus for those of you that keep messaging <laughs> me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing I'm, as well. You always get an umpire, don't you, that turns up and I do it. And, it, and it's, for, as a coach as well, I think it's really important that that doesn't rub off onto the people that you're coaching, uh, or, yeah. or saying this is a really bad umpire. And there's umpires now, and there's one popping in my head at the moment, and every time he arrives, I'm like, you are kidding me. You are <laughs> kidding me. He, I like an umpire, you don't, it's like a wicket keeper, you don't recognise. 
Don't you? you just yeah. don't recognise a wicket keeper because he's he's a good keeper and he's quiet and he just gets on the job. That's like a good umpire, isn't it? You don't recognise him. You're like, oh, he's, he's gone, he's come, and that's it, job done. Yeah. Whereas an umpire likes to get involved in the game, you know, a, a big decision or whatever it may be. And uh, yeah, I, I, even now I'm, I find it quite making my blood boil. To be fair, I should move on. <laughs> let's move on. Let's go on. <laughs> Yeah, see, uh, yeah, there's some umpires that want to uh, have their day out as much as uh, those of us yeah. that, are, uh, that are actually taking part in the game. Um, I guess finally, then, Bozzy, um, I mean, look, the, the two hours that we've spent with you have been absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Sitting and listening to you talk forever, mate, quite frankly, it's, it's been wonderful. Oh, I appreciate um, that. The, what, what, I mean, not, every, not everybody says <laughs> Not everybody <laughs> <laughs> I've highly enjoyed it. I'm trying to butter him up for free coaching sessions. <laughs> hey, I'm good I'm trying, to, trying to prolong my, uh, my, my <laughs> drowning career as, as long as I quite possibly can. <laughs> Is that for bowling coaching? No, never mind. Actually, you've bowled me enough times. So never <laughs> mind. Never mind. I, I've still got that mental image of uprooting your off stump. Um, when you it, said uprooting, the bail popped off because it was so slow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that was because it was windy, I think. Um, <laughs> okay. Obviously, with uh, at Trent, you're doing an amazing job there, and it's amazing to hear the passion with which you talk about the role that you've got there. Um, so I can't imagine you have any, you know, immediate plans to, to change what you're doing. But what what other considerations are there for the future? What's the, what well, they look like? Yeah, if, I mean, I've got to be careful what I say, but th- there's things in the pipeline at the moment. Um, I, I am looking, if I'm honest, to get into a professional game. Um, I have a boy who's in year seven and a boy in year nine. Uh, uh, it's very expensive at Trent um, to get them through. As soon as I get them to a certain age, I think probably year 11, um, the youngest, I'm really sort of putting foundations to try and move into that professional side to come away from teaching. I well, always have teaching. This year, didn't you? So I, yeah. I had to, you, you build on that, right? Yeah, so the 100 was, you know, a great experience. Um, I, I did um, I have, I did apply for the um, the head coach of the Loughborough Lining, which went really, really well. Financially, probably wasn't at the right time. Um, so something's hopefully, well, something has come from that in, in, in terms of hopefully helping the fast bowlers, the bowlers um, at Loughborough Lining, which would be a nice little connection uh, to move on with um, Trent Rockets. So hopefully that will, uh, will come. Um, yeah, so I think I really, I really think now after ten years of, of, of coaching at Trent at different levels and coaching, you know, Tash Farron, and I think she was the person that gave me the belief that I could actually go up a, a little bit higher uh, in the ladder, uh, and, and something I really want to do. So, um, four or five years, build my CV and try and get involved in the, in particularly the women's game. I think I've, I've, I've you know, enjoyed that. Um, and and see where we go. So I, five years time, I'd like to be hopefully a professional coach uh, in a professional environment. That would really? be the, the biggest outcome. Still growing my own business. Uh, you know, I've got dynamic cricket, which goes really, really well. Um, and you know, and coaching. You know, I'm coaching sort of probably four or five professional cricketers at the moment when I get time. Um, so yeah, I, I think the future. You know, it's exciting. You know, I didn't think I'd ever say that. Uh, you know, it's, there's been stages in my career where I'm like, I've done the same thing for 10 years and I've, you know, I've developed it, but I really want to get my teeth stuck into to something else in a new chapter. And I think that's, I've got the self-belief to do that. 
uh, you know, there was a bit of doubt, but now I've got self-belief to do that. I'm really, I'm excited about getting involved in, in, in doing it uh, and growing myself. So yeah, that's hopefully where I'll be in five, six years time. Well, look, you say, you talk about building your CV. Um, I mean, as I say, I am available for free coaching sessions. Um, <laughs> I mean, the amount, the amount of work you're going to have to put into sorting my technique out, mate, that really would be building your CV. Be... <laughs> that will be five years. <laughs> you can sort me out, mate, then you've... Uh, yeah, you've... Uh, John, do you know what? We should do it. Let's do it. I'm keen. Do you know what? I'm, do you know what I'm thinking now? Do you know that's, that's how my brain works? I'm thinking, what can we do to get him to... Uh, where do you want to be? Yeah, what do you want what to be? Top run scorer. I want to be as good as I was 11 years ago when I was playing at Wimbledon, when I could actually, you know, feel like I could hold a bat the right way up. Um, but um, I need to get I need to get fit as well. That's something that I want to talk to you about offline, actually. Yeah, let's get fit. Yeah. Uh, love, yeah. Loves all that. So yeah. honestly, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you over both of these, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Thanks, and sharing your experiences with us. I know that obviously Simon and Eugene could only be bothered to do one each, but I've taken I've taken one for the team and uh, and, and got to, <laughs> it's been thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable, mate. So no, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Ted. I really appreciate it. It's, it's opened my mind as well. There's things I've done since that first interview that's you know made me aware of. You know, somebody, yeah, it's been brilliant. It's been a really good experience. I, I appreciate it. And any time. Super. Well, look, guys, remember dynamic coaching, dynamic cricket, rather. Yeah, dynamic cricket, dynamic yeah. Cricket, yeah. If you're anywhere within, uh, unfortunately, he's now going to be booked up because I'm about to book in 30 hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott's going to be pretty busy. Um, before we go, we must mention, as always, our wonderful charity partner, the Lord's Taverners. Um, they are going to need more money because uh, I, I asked for seconds at both of the events that I went to this week. Um, so you can, as always, text them on 70331 to donate £3. Uh, please continue to do that. They're an amazing, amazing charity. Every time I go to one of these functions and I'm reminded again about the work that they do, it just I, I just find it so inspirational, offering disadvantaged and disabled kids a, a chance to to engage and participate in sport. So it's something that's very, very close to the heart of both myself and Eugene. Um, please make sure that you are at least 16 and have the bill payers' permission before you do so. Uh, must also thank Big Smoke Brewery. Um, to Dave, uh, Eugene and I had uh, five pints with Dave on uh, on Monday after the 35 pints we'd already had that day. Uh, <laughs> Tuesday was a real struggle. Uh, but thanks to them for their wonderful support. And Woodstock Cricket, don't believe what you said about the bat I provided him with earlier this year. It's nothing to do with the bat. That's an incredible piece of willow. But Eugene, Eugene's also going to take another 30 hours a week of Scott's time. We'll have to try and put some kind of video series together of uh, how, how, how he's how he managed to change our change our lives uh, <laughs> a before a before and after of the of the seasons john 2021 versus 2022 and look at the runs that's that's, that's it, what's going to count if you can if you can have us back playing like we were in our 20s again but hey john, uh, john if you ever want to come over to trent and advertise your product you're more than welcome and uh, come over and we'll do a session with one of your bats that'd be brilliant brilliant that'd be awesome mate. i'm all over it see brilliant the podcast will be just for that. Slogging it, connecting businesses with businesses. Oh, mate, we're living the dream here. That's it. I even, That's sent, it. I even sent him a wrong emoji the other day. I, sent him, I was supposed to send him a thumbs up, and it was next to a little heart, 
So I sent him a heart. <laughs> That's brilliant. He sent me a heart emoji. I didn't say anything. Uh, I think this relationship's moving on a bit too quickly. Like we live in a progressive world. That that's totally fine. <laughs> what a brilliant way to end the podcast. The fact that Bozzy sent me a love heart by mistake, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, thank you for your time this cold, wet, windy Wednesday evening. Um, Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. And we Cheers, love you. Thanks, Eugene. Really good to meet you guys. Cheers, Jonathan. Cheers, Jonathan. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.